old, self-righteous prig who regularly goes to church could be closer to hell than a prostitute. Of course, it's better to be neither. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And we're back. We are. With the podcast. Yeah, we've taken a little bit of a break. Vacay mode. Which has been nice. It's been good. Feels good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> we're back, back, in, back in the saddle again. Back in black, or <laughs> plaid in my case. Um, yeah, so we are going to talk about uh, uh, one of our buddies, uh, our British buddies, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, actually Clive Staples Lewis. I didn't know that. Yeah, Clive. that's his name. Uh, and Clive. Jack. Jack is yeah. his nickname. Yeah. Um, writer of the Chronicles of Narnia. Also many great books. Uh, Mere Christianity, The Four Loves, The Problem of Pain, uh, yeah, A Grief Observed, The Great yeah. Divorce. Just keeps going. I, I just read uh, A Grief Observed. Yeah. Just heavy stuff. But... Clive Staples Lewis uh, was a, an atheist, but uh, then he became a Christian, partially, I think, through his friendship with uh, Tolkien. Yeah, J.R.R. Do you know his name? Not J. even going to try. Yeah, uh, somebody out there knows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, we're talking about uh, C.S. Lewis on the topic of sexual morality. We've been on this topic for a while and we're going to dig a little deeper into this with our friend C.S. Lewis, who was a single man yeah. for the majority of his adulthood until he got married later in life. But um, he's got some great things to say, specifically from chapter, I can't remember five, what chapter it is, chapter five yeah. uh, of his book, Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity. Yeah. By the way, if you want to see this illustrated in about 20 minutes on a nice little doodle pad, uh, check out on YouTube, C.S. Lewis Doodles. Yeah, it's a g all it is is uh, taking C.S. Lewis writings and making doodles uh, on the same time, and so you can follow it. It's a very interactive, engaging kind of medium. Yeah, so you got a joke, though. I <laughs> do, yeah. All right, all right, here we go. Ready? Uh, Pastor John, why can't you use beef stew as your password? I feel like I should know, but I don't. Because it's not strong enough. It's not okay. <laughs> okay, that passes. That's good. All right. Um, it's got everything. It's got a little old world charm, a little new world. Yeah, it's got some paprika in to it. it. Yeah, <laughs> a little spice on a little it. Little mushroom sauce. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah. So uh, why? One of the things you know I've wanted to be clear on is why in the world are we taking so many podcast episodes to focus on this issue of sexual morality? And it may seem like we're kind of harping on this. Um, and we have plenty of other things that we'd like to talk about and will talk about on the podcast. But this is something where I, I think in our culture, it is contested. Um, every generation, I think, has something with regard to God's word or the gospel or morality where like the church struggles. Mm. And I think that this is one in our particular moment as a culture uh, we are struggling, and, and so much of our sexual morality has been normalized in the culture in a way that's not biblical, 
that it's becoming normalized in the church. And so mm. we need to kind of pump the brakes and talk a little bit. Yeah, I, I feel like um, I don't think people will be surprised that we're taking this much time on it because this topic takes up so much time in their own mind and thinking space. For most people, it's just such a front and center hot topic issue. Well, even if you think about what's on the radio, what's on the internet, what's on TV, what's mm -hmm. on Netflix, I mean, it's what everybody's talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, and also a central part of our humanity. I mean, as God created us, so good to talk about. Um, and and uh, yeah, so let's get on with it. Um, just a little bit more information on C.S. Lewis. I did want to mention that his book, Mere Christianity, which is the basis of kind of our chat today about his views on sexual morality, um, that book uh, was originally a BBC broadcast in like, I think, 1942, right in the middle of World War II. And I think that uh, the BBC was like, you know, we need some, some help. We need to cheer people up. We need some hope. So Let's get old Clive Staples on the on the airwaves, and hmm. he'll he'll uh, use his, uh, his nice I, not British accent. I think Irish. He, he hmm. was from Ireland, but um, wish I could hear that. Yeah, someday. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's think a little bit about this. So one of the things he says is chastity, and I love this. It's kind of cheeky. Chastity is the least popular of the Christian virtues. Yeah. So he opens his chapter on. Chastity, which isn't like a word we use much. No, it's it not. We should really probably define means, it. It means sexual morality. It means yeah. that we have a sexuality that is conformed to God and his purposes, whether we are in marriage or out of marriage. Yeah, and um, in particular, that chastity has a particular form. It's either marriage with complete faithfulness in Christianity or singleness with complete abstinence. So there's, it's very narrow. Right, and right. no one, and there's no contesting. There's no two ways about it. There's, yeah. it's a strict sexual morality um, that is very, it's very meaningful, but it's it's very clear. Yeah, and and you have to remember too that whenever God draws a line, whenever He makes a boundary, He does it because He's protecting something special. And so a lot of people think that you know Christians are prudish, that they're you know mm. they're kind of frigid, and that's not true. Uh, Lewis will go on to say that, and rightly so, that the Christian faith has the highest view of the body, of being human, of sexuality, of marriage. It's just that, that we recognize that our desires are out of whack sometimes, and sometimes our desires um, can, can make something like sexuality, one of our kind of inst primal instincts, hmm. can, can become like everything. Yeah, or even a great curse. Yeah, it can really yeah. reap or sow and reap havoc in families and communities and generations, yeah. even in our own bodies. And, and so, yeah, yeah. so he, one of the things he says is Christianity's view is so strict um, and different than the rest of the world's views that either something is wrong with Christianity right. or something is wrong with our desires. Right. So, for example, Freud would say there's something wrong with Christianity, but right. then, you know, Freud kind of sexualized everything to the point of being really weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, that, that there's that, um, that argument. And Lewis would say, if you think carefully about our desires, we'll see that there's something wrong, not with 
the sexual instinct itself, but with uh, the way it kind of gets out of bounds. And uh, elsewhere in his book, earlier in the book, he says that, that God has not created anything evil. This physical world is a good place. Our physical fleshly bodies are good things. To be created male and female is good. Christianity has the highest regard mm-hmm. for the body of all the religions. Mm-hmm. But um, it would say that, um, that things go wrong when good things are used in the wrong time, at the wrong amount, and in the wrong way. So there's actually no such thing as evil in and of itself. Evil is just spoiled goodness. And that applies to sexuality too. So yeah, I think this is pretty helpful just in thinking about the nature of Satan and what he does Mm -hmm. is he's just a corrupter. Like he doesn't bring anything new to the table. He just twists the things that are. Yeah. And so that they're deformed and not as useful. Right. Okay. So... It's not necessarily a problem with the desires. It's that they're out of whack. They're out of, out of order. Yeah, and, and Lewis kind of uses this, this picture of like, you know, what if people, instead of getting together for a striptease act, what if people like got together at some secret bar where, you know, they very slowly, you know, took the top off of a plate with, you know, like mutton, which we don't eat mutton here. Yeah, Maybe steak. bacon, you yeah, know. Bacon. And, and that would show that there's something off with like our our food instinct. Like, do we live in a culture where we have a shortage of food? Are we all starving? Well, no. (laughs) And it's the same thing with sexuality. You know what they could call that event, Pastor John? (laughs) Okay, here's a joke. (laughs) A strip steak tease. (laughs) 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 I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That was on the, on the, off the cuff. I know. Yeah, it just came to me, you know, but, yeah, so, um, but yeah, that, I mean, so we have, Places like that in our culture yeah. where, you know, women, generally, it's women uh, undressed to a certain point and people are, are um, observing this, yeah. right? This appetite's out of control. And that would be bizarre for that kind of thing to happen with food in a restaurant. It'd be like, oh, here right. comes, now you get to see a little bit more of the steak, you know, yeah. oh, there's a potato. Yeah. And he just points out to say like, this desire is just really out of control. Well, and he goes on to to point out that also, you know, in our society, we've had just more access to sexuality in general. So there's pornography on the internet. There's all kinds of stuff on TV. It's just out there in music. There are apps like Tinder, you know, where you can just hook up in the moment. and, And so, or even on the college scene, you know, there's just kind of like this, you know, institutionalized debauchery that kind of happens on yeah. college campuses. And so people are able to have more access to, to sexual experiences, but it hasn't actually tamed the instinct. It's actually mm-hmm. made it even more. And, and, and so, uh, like, he, he talks about, like, typically our, our instinct for food only goes a little bit beyond our desire for food, like uh, we only gorge ourselves a little bit, but, but if you look at the sexual instinct, like if a, like a teenage boy, you know, followed all of his instincts, he could populate an entire small village, you know? And, and so the point is that there's something off with our instincts, something disordered, right? Yeah. I think, I think that point is made for sure. Yeah. Um, So he goes on to say that sex is nothing to be ashamed of, to be clear. Yeah, and we would agree with that if we agree on what we mean by that. Agreed, yeah. (laughs) So 
Uh, yeah, sex is in the Christian. This is our property. I yeah, like to kind of like, think it's like we, you know, we have the meaning for sexuality in the Bible, part of our created order. It's a good thing. And so we would say, yeah, it's nothing to be ashamed of if that's by that you mean this is where children come from. How, yeah, this what is a how blessing. we reproduce. Yep. Uh, and also that this experience is pleasurable and there's nothing to be ashamed of in that uh, as Christians. In fact, Lewis says that marriage is more glorified in Christianity. It's the source of the great love poems, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Song of Solomon, for example. Uh, we have the most positive view of the body and, and its functions, but um, what do we not mean well, if we're saying Yeah, this? so usually when people say sex is nothing to be ashamed of, um, they're often using that to say that we should just get out of the way of our desires. And just follow them, right? Yeah, like that this kind of repressive shame against, you know, fornication, hooking up culture. Like that's, you know, we need to stop just being so worried about all that. Yeah, just chill out and do what feels good. Yeah, do what's natural. And... And so we would we would object to that. It's like no, uh, and everyone has some line that they're going to object. They're going to say sexuality needs some boundary. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true, and it, it's really interesting that uh, N.T. Wright, uh, he's a New Testament scholar, um, and he has has made this point that that the more our society has loosened our our standards for sexuality, the more we've kind of said, if it feels good, do it. We've also had more rules in place. Mm. When you when you don't have rules about sex, like in the past, like, you know, waiting till marriage and, you know, all that kind of stuff, then there's gonna be all these really legalistic rules. So for mm. example, we, we have this whole idea of consent and hashtag me too and all that has just arisen, I think out of, it's kind of like welcome to the jungle, right? You know, like there's no rules. And so now we need to redefine the rules because this is getting out of hand. People, there's, you know, there's rape, there's, you know, uh, sexual assault. There's all these just kind of harassment, brave new world things that are happening because there are no rules. Yeah, so I mean, wouldn't it be great if, people just returned to Christianity and then said, oh yeah, there's this beautiful thing called sex that I should guard and protect and I should treat the opposite sex with honor and respect. Yeah. Like, but we're not going to go back there as a culture. We're going to make up new rules, new lawsuits, uh, new vocabulary, but essentially it's functioning in the same way to protect women generally. Yeah. And to have some constraint on this desire. Yeah. And yeah, so, um, but uh, the next thing that, that Lewis does here, and I, uh, Lewis was not a pastor, but I think that he does something pastoral here, meaning that he, he kind of moves into the experience that we all have as he says that, you know, God knows our situation and he will judge us accordingly. And what he means by that is that God sees, I think, what we're up against. In the New Testament, in the book of Corinthians, First and second letter, Paul talks about all the temptations that were facing uh, those New Testament believers. These new Christians who'd been in paganism their whole lives, they didn't have Tinder back then, but they had the temple prostitutes. And a lot of people, mm-hmm. it was as simple as going to the 7-Eleven. I mean, they would just go to, go to the temple prostitute and hook up and, 
and it was a normalized part of culture. Now imagine you become a Christian and you can't do that anymore because you're baptized. And uh, Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you that is uncommon to man. Like God's faithful. He'll give you a way out. Uh, but also God knows what we're up against. We're up against our nature, our, our because of the fall into sin, all of us are disordered in our desires. The desire itself is good, but it is disordered um, because it becomes God rather than ruled by God. Uh, we're up against the world and its normalization mm-hmm. of of excess and and immorality, sliding, sliding standards. Yeah, like when yeah. you're you're you know checking you know like your email and things pop up, you know, just right. stuff that. Right. You know, when or even, you know, popular T V shows becoming basically softcore porn. Softcore porn, yeah. Kinda, over, yeah. over just five years time. Exactly. You, know, you see this kind of stuff. Game of Thrones, for yeah. example. Netflix yeah. came out and yeah. pretty much every new show that is adult oriented has sex scenes in it. Yeah. And then also of course we have Satan who's always pushing and prodding at our brokenness. And our weaknesses. Yeah. Okay. So I think he's onto something there. We're definitely up against a lot, and our God does not give us arbitrary rules just to make us feel bad. Yeah, he's he, not just yeah. ruining people's party. I mean, he's not like, you know, just trying to make our lives miserable. Yeah, that's not the heart of God. God gives good gifts, and He gives them without regret. Yeah. And He He does give us commands which which convict us of sin. It's like, yeah. man, I'm a sinner through and through. I need help. I need grace. I yeah, need but the problem's not the law. The problem's us yeah, yeah. and our relationship to it, yeah. So Lewis says, you know, that all who ask for help will receive it, but he also says that we must actually want help. And this is kind mm-hmm. of a deep thought here, but he quotes um, St. Augustine, who sort of lived a debaucherous, immoral life before he became a Christian, but... Um, Apparently, Augustine had a prayer, and it was, God, make me chaste, but not just yet. <laughs> like, let me, uh, let me have some fun first. Yeah. Sow the wild oats. For yeah, and, but then God caught up with him. And, yeah, so and God, God answers, um, or God will help people who genuinely desire. And right. it reminds me of what it says in James, that um, a man needs to ask wholeheartedly, not doubting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not shifting around, but asking God for good things. Yeah, and part of our prayer, you know, when tempted in this area, ought to be, I think, God, give me the desire to desire what you desire. Yeah, right, right. Good. Yeah. Well done. Give so, me the will to want that. Yeah. So, I, yeah, so God does expect um, incredibly high standards. It's perfection. Mm-hmm. Um and we pursue that knowing we're, we're not going to achieve it in this life. It'll be given to us through Christ. Right. Um, but uh, we believe that we will obtain God's help in pursuing what he calls us to pursue. Yeah, and we need to avoid uh, the error of saying, oh, you know, we're all just sinners. Yeah, whatever. You know, just, you know, put it on the Jesus tab. Um, we, we need to avoid that because it not only dishonors God, it dishonors ourselves and our neighbors and our family members and our wider culture and the church. Um, so, so really, Lewis is talking about this language of virtue, and I think the conversation about virtue is fascinating because uh, virtue only grows stronger through practice. Mm-hmm. Like, we are justified, we are made right with God, not by anything we practice or get better at, 
only through Christ. Uh, our, our being made right with God is an, an event that took place at the cross in our baptism through faith in Christ. But our becoming like Christ and becoming virtuous is a process. And yeah. it's a very stop and start, fall down, get up right. kind of process. But the point that Lewis makes is that the thing we can never do is sit down and throw our hands up and say, and too despair. hard. Lewis is saying, you know, no, how, no, no matter how hard it is and no matter how far you miss the standard, the one thing we can never do is just say, I'm not going to try. Yeah, because uh, God's standard still applies to us. It's not optional. Yeah, and the more that you seek to embody that standard, the more of a blessing it's going to be to those around you. Hmm. Like when you are, are, are chased in your sexuality, that's going to be a blessing to those around you, and, and it's going to be a fruitful good thing. Mm. Whether and you remain yeah. single or you get married, or you know, it, it's it'll be the highest regard for that gift. Yeah, modeled. yeah, uh, yeah. I think about this too with just um, people who are married. Um, you know that that standard uh, pursuing complete faithfulness to your spouse. I mean, affairs ruin marriages. You know, yeah. They destroy uh, that home. Um, so, yeah, it's going to benefit your children, benefit your husband, your wife, by pursuing that ev- as hard as it is. It's hard, even for married people. But Yeah, we it. need to be aware that, uh, you know, for any single friends out there who perhaps one day God will give the gift of marriage, marriage does not cure um, sexual temptation. Um, it's a refuge, but... Marriage does not um, just make somebody chaste. <laughs> yeah. And so we're called into this kind of battle. And I think it's useful. Lewis talks about how, um, you know, this is in the category of things we must do, not optional things. So it's it's like a test that you're sitting at mm-hmm. in, in school. You can't just opt out. You can't just say, I'm not going to answer yeah. any of the questions. <laughs> or, or like, I like he said, mountain climbing. Yeah. It's like if you're on the side of the mountain, you have to deal with that situation. You can't just opt out of it or just hang there. You know, you have to say, I, I must get to the top. So, and as we push ourselves in this regard, it's amazing what we can do as yeah. we test. And and we believe we will be forgiven if we fail. Right. And that's the, I think that's such a beautiful, um, it actually spurs us on to greater action knowing we're okay. Yeah. We are forgiven. Now get up and go again. And this is where Lewis is once again very pastoral. Uh, what he does is, he, is he's basically saying, like, look, God's goal for you may not first and foremost be that you attain the virtue of mm. chastity. His first goal for you might be to teach you dependence on him and to teach you how to fight and to mm-hmm. teach you how to, to, to stand and then walk and then run. You know? Yeah, yeah. Even yeah, if you're walking with a walker or yeah. a cane, even though you're falling down, like the goal of our growth in Christ is first that we're more dependent upon Christ mm-hmm. because there's an, another error we can commit here. And that is that we can think that we're so chaste and spiritual that we don't need Jesus mm-hmm. or we outgrow our need for him. But no, that's not it. We, in our dependence upon Christ, will become chaste, mm-hmm. but, but not the opposite. Okay, so good. The last kind of main thought, and I think this is so useful to bring up, but Lewis brings up the point that chastity 
is not the center of Christian morality. Sometimes it can be blown up to be, you know, chastity, sexual morality is like the church's A game. That's like yeah. their, their number one topic. Right. So we have like purity rings or we have, you know, like kind of what's been called purity culture yeah. or the old... Uh, Victorian kind of era. Yeah, or even mindset. books in the 90s or early 2000s, like Why I Kissed Dating Goodbye uh-huh. and um, all that kind of stuff. And and those, I think, you know, sometimes we almost think that, like, the the one thing that you need to do as a Christian, you know, is don't have sex before you're married, and then you're yeah. good. And <laughs> that, that will actually bring you to heaven. That's what people think. Right. It's a very legalistic yeah. kind of, yeah. And what we need to remember is that, well, Lewis says, um, chastity is not the center of Christian morality. He says, sins of the flesh are bad. He, he talks about sexual sins as sins of the flesh. But he says they're not as bad as the sins of, say, pride or anger or envy. He makes a distinction between what he calls the animal self and the diabolical self. And huh. diabolical is where we get the, is from the word devil in yeah, Greek. Yeah. Um, I, and really, I would break it down as 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 sins of our, of sort of our, our instincts, you know, appetites, whether it be sex or food or things like that, versus uh, spiritual sins, you know, things like pride and envy, yeah, and hatred, unbelief, malice. and all yeah. that kind of stuff. He says those are very, you know, close to Satan. <laughs> yeah, and um, so. And, and, and so people may be wondering, once again, to the opening question, why are we talking about this so much, especially if it's not the center of Christian morality? Well, because just about nobody agrees with chastity in our culture. Even yeah. within the church, we struggle with this. Yeah, it seems to be kind of an Achilles heel right now. I've seen yeah. a lot of people turn away from the church because of this conversation, because the world's so persuasive. Yeah, um, and, and, and for a couple of reasons, I think that maybe on the one hand, there's like, look, if I have to choose between Jesus and loose sexual morals, or I guess kind of, you know, modern sexual morals, I'm going to choose the, the, the sexuality. Mm-hmm. So some people are choosing sex over Jesus. And then, but other people, I think, just deal with a great amount of shame. You know, they're stuck in like the, I messed up and maybe they grew up in like a super legalistic youth group culture and then they make a mistake and they're like, I'm always going to be a second class Christian and they Mm -hmm. just kind of really feel bad. Uh, Both of those can repel us from Jesus uh, and especially on this issue. Um, But we do want to talk about it because if like, you know, if in any generation there's a, a, a place where we're not seeing eye to eye on Jesus and trying to argue with him, yeah. Or forget him. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable, but that's where maybe he desires to heal us. Yeah, yeah. for real. Uh, and willing willing to do so, right? Willing to make us whole again. Do you think we should end with like a like a mic drop? <laughs> yes. C.S. Lewis quote. Yes. You want to do it? Sure, sure. All right. So again, talking about how uh, sins of the flesh are bad, but not as bad as sins of the spirit or those kind of internal spiritual sins. He says this, uh, a cold, self-righteous prig who regularly goes to church could be closer to hell than a prostitute. Of course, it's better to be neither. And it's better to be neither, yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there's yeah. C.S. Lewis. We uh, 
channeled him all the way from back in 1942. He has some wise things to say. We definitely recommend the C.S. Lewis Doodles on YouTube. Yep. There's a variety of just excellent things, and you could read his book, too. Yeah. In fact, uh, that I know a number of high school students who've been reading that book. Mere Christianity. Yeah. I think uh, probably of all the books written in the last 100 years or something like that, that book has been one of the most influential for Christians. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a must read. It's a must read. Yep. Well, cool. Thanks, uh, C.S. Lewis. Clive. Yep. Seymour, cool. what is it? It's Clive. Clive Staples. Staples. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we, we uh, stapled that one up. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>